today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. All that said, symptoms, really common things that I hear a lot is neurological issues in some way. So sometimes it's like, it's brain fog. So people say, oh, I just feel kind of foggy. They don't feel like they have like brain damage necessarily. They just don't feel, they feel like almost a little drunk sometimes, almost like the memory goes away sometimes, comes back, you lose your words here or there, like stuff like that. That's a pretty common one. And I'm going to throw things out there. I'm just pull this one. I'm not a doctor, but I, you know, I just talk to a lot of them. So mycotoxins, which are normal toxins, they're fat soluble. Your brain is mostly fat. So like if they're able to get to that pathway, which they can through different barriers to break, then your brain's going to want to soak it up because that's where it wants to be, right? Because your brain's primarily fat. So it's one reason why neurological stuff is pretty common. But hormones are common. Reproductive, which is hormones, is common. Like skin stuff, that's common. I've seen hair loss. There's chronic fatigue. There's, you got to think your whole body is inflamed. So then depending on where it's manifesting, you can get pain in different places. Gut problems are a super huge thing. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today I'm talking with expert environmental consultant and home inspector, Brian Carr, all about mold and mycotoxins in your home and how it could secretly be the reason behind your fatigue, brain fog, hormone issues, autoimmune. And then once you find mold, what do you do about it? Before we get started though, I wanna talk to you about an easy health habit that I use every single day. And that's AG1 by Athletic Greens. With one delicious scoop of AG1, I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help support my gut health, my nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, all the things. It also comes in super convenient travel packs, which is so nice because I'm often on the go. I love that you can use it if you eat keto or paleo, vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free. And it contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And to me, it tastes pretty good. I call it a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing that I do every single day to take great care of myself, and you can too. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash root cause. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash root cause to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This podcast is by Rupa Health, the best and easiest place for practitioners to order, track, and manage all your labs in one convenient location. Now, let's start the show. Brian Carr, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. I am so excited to be here. We just had your episode on our podcast come out like this week. So now we get to do the back. So it's really fun. And I got to meet you in person a couple of weeks ago. So that was even cooler. I saw you on Zoom and got to meet you in person. And then here we are again. 
here we're back on Zoom. <laughs> this is reality. In person is like weird now. <laughs> Oddly, isn't that the case? It's yeah, it is a little weird. It's like, do I hug you? Do I not hug you? What are, are we doing this? <laughs> oh, I, we hugged that, so it was good. It's true. It was good to see you in person. Well, today we're talking all about mold again, which is fantastic in this mold series of the podcast that I'm doing because it's such an important topic. We get a lot of questions about it over here at the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I get a ton of questions on it on my Instagram, and I am by no stretch a mold expert, whether it's mold health as a person or mold health of your house or your building. So you are the expert, and I can't wait to pick your brain as we go forward. Yeah, let's do it. All right, before we get started, just so everyone is like, well, who is this guy? Give us a little background on who you are, how you got into it, what you stand for, and then I'll start asking you questions. All right, so my name is Brian. I am. I feel like I'm in a meeting. I've never been to a meeting, by the way. Just feel that's what they look like on TV. No, so I'm a, I'm the co-founder of a company called We Inspect. So we are an indoor environmental assessment company. We work with pretty much. It's like 95% of our clients are people that are dealing with some sort of mold hypersensitivity in some way. There's obviously a scale for what that means to different people, but there's an actual reaction that they're having from mold exposure. Most of our clients are actually referred to us from practitioners all over the country. And our company actually flies all over the country to go directly into people's houses and find where the hidden mold is is at, where it's hiding. And then we develop sampling plans to sort of validate what's going on, how's it moving through the house, sort of what's the severity of the impact. And then we create remediation plans that basically tell them how to fix the problem. So that's the core of what we do. We've been doing it for a really long time. And we recently just rolled out like online consulting groups, which takes that same model, but sort of does it with people throughout their own homes to help kind of manage maybe the price point component of it, but allow them to still get the same knowledge and direction. So there's different things that we're rolling out across the board. But God, how did I get into this? I This whole story, I'll try to cut it down. Basically, I was on my bed and my ceiling flooded on me. I like dove out of the way. I was living in an apartment years and years ago before I knew anything. I actually had just been laid off from a job at that time. So I was like on my computer looking for a new job. I was like on Monster. I'm like, job that will make me feel fulfilled. And like nothing came up. And and so this happens. I freak out. I call the landlord like everybody does. And they come out and they get somebody to fix the leak. And they just kind of like leave it basically. And they're like, oh, it'll dry out and this and that. And it's a similar story to like what a lot of people have. Cause like I was the same way. I didn't know any better. Like you need to know how things should be handled in order to basically make sure that you're being handled the right way when stuff's going on. So I didn't know. So long story short, I started having health reactions. And the worst of it, which I still now even still get flare ups, are, are like skin breakouts where I'll get like eczema style face breakouts on my face. So when I saw that, I started kind of freaking out. My girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, her dad is literally one of the best people that ever do this, essentially. And, and so his name is Mark Levy. He's my father-in-law now. And he became my mentor. He came in and basically found all of these problems in my little apartment. Some that stemmed from that, some other stuff that was other places I didn't even know about. But all of it added together sort of triggered these things for me. What was crazy about it is that the landlord, when they came, they had their inspector come in. What did they do? They took an air sample in the middle of the room. They left 20 minutes later. They said everything's dry. There's no way that anything could be making you sick. And so luckily I had an end to this guy who had been doing this forever. And it was like, it's very well known in the medical community. And that's kind of where our roots came from. So we're a family business. My co-founder is my cousin. Our, my father-in-law and his dad are twin brothers. It's like this whole family tree of stuff. 
And basically, we kind of took what they started and figured out a way to, to help people all over the country and now all over the world through our consulting programs. I don't think I realized the extent of that story. <laughs> it's uh, Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first part of it, so many people go through a version of the first part of it. I had a water. It wasn't handled. I got sick. So I finally figured it out. The part where I just happened to like trip into a family business, like it's, and marry into this thing that essentially changed my entire life. Not everybody gets that. So I almost feel like it's kind of like my calling to have to do something with that and to figure it out. So, so I mean, I love this stuff. I love talking about it. I love helping people. And I feel like I got lucky. A lot of people, that would have happened to them. They wouldn't have known. The landlord would have told them. I'd have stayed living there for a period of time. And who knows what would have happened to me at that point. You know, so... It's a complete side note, everyone. I'm sorry. But I just find that really frustrating with the world right now. I had to go to the doctor today. I've been having heart palpitations at the last 12 days, con- pretty continuously. And I know what to do. I know what to do with heart palpitations. I'm a doctor. But I was primary care, run through insurance. She didn't even listen to my heart. I have heart palpitations. She didn't even listen to my heart. She felt my thyroid and she sent me for blood work. She was like, I don't think I'm going to do an EKG. We'll just check your thyroid and I'll follow up with you. And I texted my husband and I was like, well, I'll do it my freaking self then. Like, but if you didn't know, like if you had water damage in your house, which we are going to get into all the questions, don't worry. But if you had water damage in your house, and you just kept thinking to yourself, why don't I feel well? What is going on? Because you don't know better. Or like in my case, if you're having heart palpitations and your doctor didn't even listen to your heart and then, because you know my thyroid's going to be fine. So they're going to go, I don't know, Carrie, just do you want Xanax? You know, like, do you want yeah, a beta blocker? No. <laughs> yeah. no. And that's what's fr- so frustrating to me, which is why, like you said, it's your calling. I definitely feel it's my calling to educate in the hormone side because- we just never get taught this. And if we don't, the, the world is getting sicker and we just have to keep teaching this stuff so we can be our own investigator and our own advocate for ourselves. So I'm glad you're doing this. No one's going to do it as well as you are. Like if it's so crazy, we're in this time now with technology and information and stuff that <laughs> there's just like a double-edged sword. It depends on what the information is, but there's access to stuff. If you could figure out how to get to the right stuff, you could be empowered to do so many things in your life, right? It's compared yeah. to 30 years ago or whatever it is. So now it's now there's so much stuff. It's like navigating and trying to figure out like where you're going to listen and all that. Even just to ask better informed questions, you might not know what to do, but even just to know, like my first question for you is, what are the symptoms people are feeling that makes them think, I wonder if this is mold, I should call Brian's company. Like what, someone listening to this right now, what are they having? What are they experiencing? It is so many things because that's what mold does to you. And so everyone's going to grab onto the upper respiratory stuff. They're going to grab onto like the allergic reaction that mold can have on somebody. And that's where they're going to be like, oh, it's not an allergic thing. So it can't really be a mold thing. But I know we were talking about Dr. Joe Krista earlier. So in her book, Break the Mold, she has a whole section at the beginning of the book that's every system in your body and what the effects that mold has on that system. And so if you're reading through that, so plug for her book, great book, by the way. Right. And podcast, by the way, Krista, C-R-I-S-T-A. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look through that, for instance, and you're like going down the list, you're like, man, I'm checking something off in every single one of these body systems or like everything in this one body system I'm checking off, then you have to start at least kind of thinking about it. And I think the problem is mold can manifest in so many different ways that if you go to like a general health practitioner, they don't see it that way. Like that's not how they were taught when you go to medical school. It's very like, here's the symptom, here's the thing. And it's almost like, feels like linear almost sometimes when you talk to some of the doctors that are on that side of it. 
as opposed to talking like functional medicine doctors or integrative doctors, where they're more like trying to, to put a puzzle together in a way. They're like, okay, so this is happening here, then let's backtrack here. And then, well, I know this can trigger this. So let's go back to the end. They're trying to all go all the way back. We all hear the, the, the name of the podcast, the root cause, right? Like that's what they're trying to get to. And you have to do it that way if you're really going to feel it. So all of that said, symptoms, really common things that I hear a lot is neurological issues in some way. So sometimes it's like, it's brain fog. So people say, oh, I just feel kind of foggy. They don't feel like they have like brain damage necessarily. They just don't feel, they feel like almost a little drunk sometimes, almost like the memory goes away sometimes, comes back, you lose your words here or there, like stuff like that. That's a pretty common one. And I'm going to throw things out there. Full disclosure, I'm not a doctor, but I, yeah, I just talk to a lot of them. So mycotoxins, which are normal toxins, they're fat soluble. Your brain is mostly fat. So like if they're able to get to that pathway, which they can through different barriers to break, then your brain's going to want to soak it up because that's where it wants to be, right? Because your brain's primarily fat. So it's one reason why neurological stuff is pretty common. But hormones are common. Reproductive, which is hormones, is common. Like skin stuff, that's common. I've seen hair loss. There's chronic fatigue. There's, you got to think your whole body is inflamed. So then depending on where it's manifesting, you can get pain in different places. Gut problems are a super huge thing. It's like, I have gut problems. Like, you know, my, so backtrack to me, I mean, how is this doing this forever? It doesn't matter how many masks you're wearing, how many respirators you're wearing, and how many suits you got on. You're, if you're in the worst houses all the time, you're going to get exposed to it. I kind of tricked my body into thinking that I lived in a house that had a problem. And so that symptom that I had way early on, it comes back because I'm kind of like re-exposing myself on a basis like that. But it's thrown off my gut microbiome. It's caused other things. So there's a lot. And I wish I could say that there was one answer to it. But I, I almost feel like the answer is if you have something going on and no one's able to figure it out and whatever they're trying to do to fix it doesn't seem to be working or maybe it works for a minute and then it like falls down a cliff again or something like that then I feel like you for sure should start looking at environment because whatever's happening at that point hasn't been working. I have seen in patient practice, and I saw it on your website too, the question somebody will ask, well, how come I'm sick, but maybe other people in my family aren't? Mm -hmm. But my experience with mold, and again, I'm not a mold expert and never claimed to be, but I would have a lot of families and it seemed they're just sick in different ways. So maybe mom would come in because, to see me because her hormones were a mess and she was having skin issues and gut issues. And when I was asking about other family members, she would be like, no, they're not having hormone or skin, but come to find out dad was having the neurologic and kids were having the gut and behavior. And it was, it, everyone was seeming to manifest something around the same time or it was getting worse for everybody, but it wasn't maybe the same symptom. Yeah. And at least in that scenario, you could point to something was happening to everyone. Then you take it a step further and you say, well, just the wife or the mom has something going on, but the husband feels fine and the kids seem okay for now, you know, whatever, they seem okay. And then the question comes up because when you're, you know, most of our clients are, are actually women, I'd say probably 80% of our client, maybe even more, are the initiators of the conversation with us. And ultimately like the, whole, the family gets involved, but the people that are initiating this process is typically the, the woman in the household. It's because women manifest quicker and again, call me on this, everybody, like I just taking what I'm hearing and sharing it. But we said a minute ago, like mycotoxins specifically, they're fat soluble. Women physiologically just have more fat than men do. Like mm -hmm. just, that's yeah. it. So that alone, if you were exposed to the same thing and everything else was equal in theory, the woman would probably start showing sooner than the man would. But then how people react 
it's so complicated. It's your genetic makeup. It's previous exposures. It has literally has your body been rewritten, like the way your immune system be been rewired at an early exposure to now let's see something that reacts crazy. And now maybe you have an autoimmune response or something like that that comes from it. And then whatever you're currently dealing with, let's say you have Lyme, your body is already dealing with this. Then you add mold on top of it and it just flows it over where maybe the, someone else in the household isn't. So it's, I've seen a lot where it's like, oh, well, my husband, he feels fine. So he doesn't think it's a thing. And it's tough. I mean, you could flip that around. You could be like, hey, listen, so COVID just happened. I've known houses where one person got sick and the other one didn't. Does that mean that it wasn't a thing? No, it doesn't mean it wasn't a thing. It just means that it, it, it impacted this person. Right, right. So now that they call you, they call your company, what do you do? What is a mold inspector? <laughs> what are you looking for? What do you do? <laughs> what do you do, Brian? <laughs> and honestly, how do you know what to look for? Because I've had a lot of people who just, they're looking around their house like, well, I don't see mold. So what are you looking for? So this is like such a big question. So what is a mold inspector? Like start at the top. I mean, honestly, like I don't even really consider myself like a mold inspector. I don't even know what I would say. Like I'm a consultant of some way, but like I kind of feel like I'm walking in the matrix when I go in a house. Like that's what I feel like. Like, you know, like when you watch the matrix and like when Neo finally like figured out like how he could like feel a place or something, all of a sudden everything was in code. And then he could just see things that popped out of it. That's kind of how I feel when I walk in space. But what's funny about that is like, oh, well, that doesn't help at all. Thanks. Great, Brian. Let's tie in your brain. So I, a while ago, to train our internal, like as we were developing our team, I created what is now known as Mold Finder's Method, which is a public thing that's out there. But at the time, it was an internal training program. And it basically taught everyone how to go through a house and look at it in a way. So here's what I learned when I was going, again, Mark, my father-in-law, who ended up being my mentor, and I worked with him for years and years directly. He taught me everything. I saw that he had a very systematic approach when he went through a house. It's not like you walk in, you're like, what do I do? That's what most people like when they walk into a house. What do I do? It's more of, and I broke it down into these different things. I kind of took everything he did that was a nice, stuck it into something so I could like teach people what it was. But basically, when he walks in the house, he's looking for five things. So this is it. We're looking for five things. There's five signs of hidden, or it's five signs of water damage. I call them the five signs of hidden mold growth. Any type of water damage is going to fit within one of these five things. Okay. So now we've really cut down like what we're looking for. But the key is you're not like looking for mold growing on stuff. If you walk into a house looking for mold everywhere, you're never going to find it. Because mold is hidden. Most of it's hidden. And so if you walk, like right now, I walk in, I don't see anything. It doesn't mean there might not be something behind a wall or something like that. So, and that's where most of it is. So a lot of times inspectors, this is why I don't really feel like I'm an inspector because what they're going to do is they're going to come in, look around. I don't see mold anywhere. And then they're going to put their moisture meter in a couple spots and say, everything seems dry. And then they're going to do an infrared camera reading, like the infrared cameras, the mold x-ray machine or something. FYI, guys, an infrared camera only looks at temperature differences behind a wall. That's it. When they have the setting where it's like, if it's cold, it's black, that doesn't mean that there's mold there. But they, I feel like they portray it as if it's like, oh, this is going to show me what's behind the walls. And then you look at it and there's like black spots on it and it freaks everybody out. That's not what they do. And the problem is that most issues that you find in homes, there's not an issue that's wet right now. 10% of the stuff you find in a house might actually be wet currently. The other 90% of the stuff that's going on in a house is a leak that happened seven years ago under a sink that nobody knew about. A flood that happened in a basement 10 years ago, and they didn't actually handle it properly. And there's still mold behind the walls, even though everything's dry right now. And you could do all the fancy meters and the tools, and it will tell you nothing. 
So like your local inspector that comes in, that's kind of what they're going to do. And I'm on the phone with you and say, hey, we have one for our cameras and this and that. And we say that too, but like that's just one small piece of it. So what they're doing, they're doing a really cursory look at stuff. They're then putting an air sample pump in the middle of a room and they're saying they're testing your air quality. If anyone comes in and says, I'm doing air quality testing in your house, just run away. They're not going to do it. Like it's going to be wrong. And so to like break that down. So for a year, every house that I went into, I picked one space in the house. So like this is wall behind me. I thought had a mold problem in it. There's like water damage or there was bubbling paint or something on it. I was like, oh yeah, this there's going to be something here. So what I would do is I do a cavity test inside this wall. So put a little hole in the wall, stick a tube through the hole, and you collect an air sample from behind the wall because that's where the problem would be. You wouldn't see it on the front. It would be in the back. Then I would go two, three feet away and I would put an air sampling pump of like air quality height, which is what all these people do, which is about four feet off the ground or something. And they run the air sample. They run that for five minutes. Did the sample on the wall, did the sample next to it. I did this for a year in every house that I went into. So there's a number of these that we did. 80% 80% of the time, no, no, wrong number. 70% of the time, that air sample that was just a few feet away said there was no problem when the sample that was three feet away showed that there was a problem. Behind the wall. Behind the wall. And so that's the big problem is that a lot of these guys are coming in and they're using a sampling method the wrong way. So like imagine if you were a doctor and you're running a test for something. I don't know, you know more of these tests than I do, but you were running like a hormone test, but you collected it the wrong way. Like let's say you did a... The wrong day. Let's say you pulled up somebody's hair and said, I'm going to run a hormone test on this. You're like, well, of course, it's not going to show what's going on, right? Like, that's what they're doing by sampling the incorrect way. And what it does is it gives people a false sense of security. That's what it started to try to do with me in my initial situation until somebody came in and showed me what was going on. And it's not anyone's fault. You say, hey, I had someone come in. They're certified. They have five stars on Yelp. They have this many reviews. They blah, blah, blah. They're a professional. I should, why should I not be able to trust this person? And they come in and they do this. They say, everything's fine. Seven out of 10 times, it's not. And then somebody now stays in their house thinking there's no problem. They continue to get worse and worse and worse symptom-wise. But it becomes even worse because in their mind, they're like, well, the house isn't it anymore. I already checked it. And now they don't find it. So it's difficult. I like in summary, like the difference is we have this concept that we, that is our process going through our home. It's called fine improvement. Find, you have to find where the source is. If you don't know where it's coming from, you can't fix it. Prove is all about testing and understanding the severity of that house moving through a space, is the heating ventilation system impacted, is it wherever it's moving to so we can get the full scope of remove, which is the remediation plan. So you have to stop the factory from reducing the problem. You then have to clean up the mess that the factory's made, which means if you have a source in the wall, you have to remediate the wall. Remediate the wall means most likely you're going to have to remove the wall and do some treatment back there to get rid of the growth that happened in the wall. But that's not it. We don't get impacted by mold that's behind the wall. We get impacted by the spores and particles that come off of the mold that's behind the wall and get into the living space. So the mold behind the wall actually isn't directly what we're breathing, but it's the reason that we're breathing it. So if all we did was got rid of the wall and then didn't clean up the house afterwards, we're going to walk back in and still feel sick. And then we're going to be like, this doesn't work. I have to burn my house down. I have to go somewhere else. And there's just a piece that was missing, right? So I don't know, that was the roundabout way of kind of talking about like the process. No, I mean, I think this is going to be really helpful because I would imagine a lot of people listening probably have had some sort of inspection, whether... It's just a simple, we just bought a house inspection and we opted for the air quality sample and mold and it came back negative and we're quote fine. Or maybe somebody has truly called a mold inspector or some sort of inspector because of water damage. And so as you said earlier, 
if you've been told your house is fine, yet you're still sick, we mentally just check that off our list, right? We cross it off. Well, it's not the house. That's not it. And we never think of it again. But it's nice to for everyone listening to, to maybe circle back in their brain and go, hmm, maybe it is. And it was just done the wrong way. We should come back to it. I've said this before in like speaking things and difference publicly where these local inspectors, they're not only like, they're not only missing stuff, they're actually making people more sick because of what you just said. And when I come out and say that local inspector and local market is actually making people more sick, I get pushback on it. But from what you said is exactly what happens. You're making someone more sick because the way you're coming in is incorrect. You're giving this false sense of security. And then that person probably waits another one, two, three, four, five years, if ever, before they circle back to relooking at it to then find out that there's something going on and how, where do they go from point A to point B in their health at that point in time? Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. With, in regards to water damage, is it like, I, you know, everyone listening probably has had something leak or burst or overflow or flood or somewhere in their house, their apartment, their condo, whatever, at some point in their life, whether it's the house they grew up in, the place they currently own, where a place they rented Airbnb that you walk in and immediately you're like, this is musty. When you walk into those places and somebody says, yes, we had water damage here years ago or last week or whatever. Do you address that differently from somebody who says, I have absolutely no idea. We just bought this place or not to my knowledge, or like in my case, I have a crawl space, never been in it. <laughs> so and trust me, I don't even It could I, be you, a you don't river. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it could be a river runs through it down there. I wish I never had to go in Yeah. I'm calling you. No, it's literally a part of the process. And a lot of times it gets skipped. I actually just did a post this week talking about the pre-inspection conversation that happens. And because of that conversation we had of a previous issue behind a washing machine, we found a wall that had a hundred thousand plus count of stachybotrys, which is black toxic mold in the wall, all from a conversation we had from a client beforehand about a leak that happened however long ago it happened. And they dried it out and wiped it up and didn't think there was anything there. And the baseboard was replaced and all the stuff. So like it looked fine. Yeah. But there was a huge problem there. Think of it this way. The way that a doctor sort of goes through the process of working with someone. So the first thing that they do before you ever come in, this is even if you're like mainstream, like MDs, it's not even like functional stuff, but like whoever, you typically have this ridiculously long medical history form to fill out. And it's like, have you ever had this or this or this? And you're kind of like all these things. And they look at that because that can be telling of things that maybe they need to be looking at a little more closely, or maybe they need to think of something a little differently because of something that's there. The way that we go through a house is incredibly similar to sort of the journey that somebody has with their practitioner. So, and it all goes back to the end, especially let's let's switch gears to like a functional or integrated practitioner now. The goal is the same. We're having whatever symptom up here. We need to figure out where it's coming from. So the goal of that practitioner is actually the same exact goal that we have. It's just instead of us looking at a human body, we're looking at a, at a, a building, which is its own living system. It breathes, it moves, like stuff happens in a building the same way that a person does. Obviously, there's different things, but there's kind of that connection. We look at the house the same way. So our model is, so we didn't even really realize this until like down the road, but I mean, it's like exactly what you would be going through on the medical side or if you're working with a practitioner. First thing you do is you probably have a conversation about this is our approach to stuff. This is how we look at things. Okay, do I vibe with that? Does that make sense? Okay, cool. We're going to go. Then you get a schedule. 
typically we're booked out for a little bit, the same way that the best practitioners are booked out for a little bit, right? Like if you can roll into your doctor in like three minutes and then you have a five minute talk with them and then they kick you out, that's probably not the person that's going to be sort of guiding you on the right path. So we set an appointment, we get in, we get everything scheduled. And then the very first thing that we do is we have like a 45 minutes, one hour call before our inspectors even show up to their house. We jump on a Zoom with them with whoever our lead consultant is going to be on. We walk through everything historically that's gone on in the house. Talk to us about the house. What do you know? What do you not know? If they don't know things, it doesn't change how we go through the house. But if they do know things, it lets us say, it lets us dig into that a little more. And from that conversation, I can know before we even show up the next day, we're going to be sampling this room in these three spots, this room here, this room here, this room here. And I put it all in the notes before we even show up. And then we go through the rest of the house the way that we always go through the house. And this way, like that example. So with that washing machine, they told us it overflowed. They told us kind of how it moved. So in the notes, it's just laundry room, washer overflowed. It went out about two feet over this way. The kitchen's on the back side of this. We need to make sure that we're looking at the kick plates of the cabinets and inside the cabinets. We have to test this wall. We have to look at the floor and map it. All that's just written, right? So it's really, really similar to sort of the flow that you have with a practitioner. And then they get into it with you. Then they look at you when you're in the place and they do the testing and they get the data back and they put the plan together on how to proceed. And that's kind of like the next step for us too. Which is my, actually my next question. So let's say like in that case, it came back with a lot of stachybotrys. Like, do you just burn it down at that point? No, somebody actually literally asked that question when I posted to you. <laughs> burn the house down? Actually, I think I saw that response. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was literally, it's just one wall. It's literally one wall. So yes, we'll have to clean the house in a way, right? Because if there's a source there, it is going to move through the home, right? So that's why we have to kind of go through and, and sort of map out the kind of dispersion of those things as compared to the source location of those things. But like for that, the plan was that wall has to get removed. That wall was maybe, I don't know, it was maybe like five feet long in a normal size wall. So that wall has to get removed. The flooring around that wall, because the leak came onto the floor, right? So you had to make sure there's tile flooring there. So you kind of remove the tile flooring out a couple feet in each direction. And then look behind the cabinetry on the other side. That's not like a huge project, right? Now, if you have 20 of those things happening in your house, then yes, it turns into a big project. So just kind of managing like what's going on and how many things are found. But the reason people say and they think that you have to burn... I always use that joke, you don't have to burn your house down. I say it all the time. And then lo and behold, the comment today is like, so do you have to burn it down? The reason that I say that all the time is because these Facebook groups that everybody is in, that's what they all say to do. The reason they say to do it is because their remediation failed in some way that they experienced personally. There's only two reasons remediation fails. You didn't find all the sources. And so if, so imagine you have like you have a little fire in the corner of the room and it's putting smoke in the room. You can't clear the smoke out if the fire is still going. So you can remediate all day, but if there's still fire going, it's going to create more smoke and this is never anything. So either you didn't find all the sources or the actual process the remediator did wasn't it wasn't good. That's it. And so if you could fix those two things, so by getting the proper inspection, you fix the first one by going through this process. And the second one, by working with a good remediator, which I, that's a whole nother conversation, but by finding a good remediator, and that's why we write out our protocols in a very like, our protocols are very like, in very specific and adapt and do this in this order and fold the towel like this and do this like this. And if they follow all of that stuff, then we've seen that it works consistently. So it's... You don't have to burn your house down. You just have to make sure that things are getting done the right way. Just like if you went in and you gave somebody three things that they had to do to get healthy and they did two of them and they didn't do one of them and they come back in and they're still having issues, 
Now, burning their house down is different because it's their body. But would you say to them, I guess, nail it in and go dig a coffin because it's over? Like, no, you you like, that's the problem. Can you have an inspector that's also your remediator? Can they be the same person or should they be? They shouldn't be. Should not be. No. I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, it's in their best interest to expand the scope of work. So if the inspector's coming in and they know, listen, remediation costs way more than inspections. So if you have somebody doing both and the inspector comes in, they're like, oh, you got to like remove this whole kitchen. You got to do this whole thing. Well, maybe you didn't. They're padding their books on the back end to do the remediation job. So there's actually states where it's illegal to do that. Like the conflict of interest. So like you really shouldn't have someone doing both. But honestly... I don't know enough about remediation to go into somebody's house and actually do the remediation. I know what needs to happen in the flow and the order and how it goes. But I've said this a few times as like an analogy, like you could have the best recipe in the world. I could have a Martha Stewart recipe sitting in front of me. I don't cook, right? (laughs) So I could have it. Not Martha 2.0? Yeah, this is exactly how you make this thing. Martha wrote it herself. She cut her finger while she was writing it and chopping it. And the blood of it is on the paper. It's literally her paper that's been passed down her whole family. It's the family recipe. And if you gave it to me, I would screw that meal. But I would understand what you have to do, right? And so that there's a skill set that goes into it too. It's not just a knowledge set, but there's a skill set. I mean, I really do think that you need to have people that understand how to do these things on top of it. Yeah. What's the worst you've ever seen? Are you allowed to talk about that? So the worst I've ever seen is actually stuff that I think everyone thinks their house is supposed to like look like. Like when you search online and you search like mold in a house or something. Oh, Google Images is scary. I know, but the only reason it's that scary is because they can't sell you or talk about or whatever they're talking about if they just show you a wall with nothing on it because mold is normally invisible. Like, hey, there's this massive mold problem here, this beautiful wall. Like, so what they do is that they put like mold all over it Photoshop and stuff, and they make it look like you walk in this house and there's mold everywhere all over this thing. That very rarely happens. Honestly, there's one house I could think of in all the years that I've done this where I walked in the house and it was like that in many, many rooms. Did you burn it down? Did you just burn it down then? That was one of the few houses I told them to burn down. <laughs> what do you ever go into a house and there's nothing that the house is not their issue? I can count on one hand, the number of times that that's happened. Now, when you say it's not the issue, that's kind of a loaded question because it may not be the issue. More so is if I ever walked in a house and never found anything going on, that's very, very rare. But there are probably times where I've gone into a house and found four, five, six things that are going on. They maybe weren't incredibly severe, but they were things that technically are problems, right? Is that really what was triggering whatever was going on with the person? I don't know. So that information goes back to the doctor and they start sort of kind of walking through the probabilities of that stuff and deciding how they move forward. Because you know, like right now, the purists that are listening and you know who you are, the purists are going to go, well, mold's natural in the environment. It's out in the yard, in the forest, and we need mold. It's what breaks things down and makes and decays things. So of course you're going to find mold in the house. But I love that you just said that. Like Even if it's not a lot, but if the person's symptomatic, you send the report back to the doctor and then they take it from there and kind of decide. So mold's a naturally occurring thing. This is the thing that a lot of husbands will throw out there. We're like, well, you know, mold's everywhere. Well, you can't do anything about it. Yes, mold is a normal thing. And then they they start quoting like how long mold has been around. I love the history lessons on mold as if they like actually went back and like researched when mold was first discovered. And on this rock in this cave, we saw this green stuff and there was mold there. And then so it was. I love that you get mold explained as yeah. the mold expert. <laughs> <laughs> But you just kind of roll. They say, all right, yeah, way back then there was mold. But think about what they're, where do they live? 
They lived in a cave that was open, that breathed, that had airflow going through the whole thing. The air was constantly being diluted because they didn't have airtight walls and they didn't have mechanical ventilation systems that were circling it all and moving it around a lot more. Like if you really want to go back in time and compare us to them and then figure out if mold is a problem now versus then, we can have that conversation and then you'll realize why what we've done just as evolution has created more of these problems. So you have a naturally occurring thing that's always going to be there, but then you stick that thing in a space that's going to magnify it. And then after you do that, you box in the whole space so it doesn't breathe. And then you sit in there and you stay in there for 90% of your day, which is what the standard is now for how much time somebody stays in a house. And they're putting off chemical toxins that are literally being created off of them that have been developed for warfare materials. Like you put all that together and put it in a box that doesn't breathe and tell me that that's different than what happened in a caveman is when there's a big open cave and you got all the airflow and there's no pollution and all the other things that our bodies are dealing with on top of that problem. So it's so easy to take one thing, like stick it somewhere else and be like, this is, but you have to look at the totality of the situations. And yes, it's been around for a long time. There's been a lot of stuff that's been around for a long time that are problems. So yeah. And our problems, unfortunately, are only getting in health anyway, are only getting worse, amplified. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So I love that. I love that you get mold splained by people. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> you know why? It's like people are trying to wrap their head around something they can't see. It's very difficult, especially when when the one person is not feeling it. So typically, what's happening in that situation is usually the husband. The husband is usually the person that's sort of pushing in the finances to help fix everything, and they're usually not feeling anything. So now you're talking to somebody about spending whatever it costs to fix stuff when they're looking. They don't see it anywhere and they see numbers on a report that says there's a big problem and they're having to kind of like put their belief in a piece of paper with numbers on it because they're not seeing it. Now, if they open stuff up afterwards, like, and then you see what's going on, like maybe it's a little better, but that's why it happens. You know, it's, you can't get like upset about it. You just have to understand like how we try to rationalize stuff and just sort of try to help people see things. And I would actually argue that they probably are symptomatic and either don't admit it, like in the hormone world, I'm in the hormone world. So 90% of my patients were female and I would have the sub ten set of 10% of their male counterparts or their brother or their father. The women would send in somebody in their family who's male to come see me. And most of the time I would say, why are you here? And they'd go, I have no idea. I'm like, it's fine. Your, <laughs> your wife told me or your sister told me or your mom told me. And so this is what we're going to talk about. And then when I would ask them, the questions, they want me to see you because of whatever. You, you're having skin issues or you're having diarrhea all the time or you're tired. And they would go, yeah, right? But I'm like, well, that's not normal. And they're like, well, I've had it for a while. It doesn't bother me. So it, but I, so I would argue, especially with mold, I find, not to completely stereotype, but having seen a number of male patients, some of them are like, either don't want to admit it or they just deal with it. Whereas it seems females are more apt to go, this is crap. I feel like crap. I need to do something about this. I've seen the same thing. And I mean, there are even times where like the man doesn't even realize, like, but maybe they complain. That's true. Yeah. And then the female counterpart is like, well, listen, you said like on these pre-calls that we talked about, I asked about health, talk to me, what's going on, symptoms, this and that, what are we doing? Because it helps me understand how deep into like panels of testing we need to go. Like if I could pinpoint a conversation with somebody that's a multi-system problem. And it's not like localized in one place. I'm like, all right, we need to kind of be looking like a little beyond just sort of the basics because of how things move through the body and stuff. But yeah, I've seen where on the call, the woman's like, 
oh, but what about this? And then this? And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess. You know, like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even register. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're like, well, you cough all the time or clear your throat. They're like, no, I don't. Is the whole conversation they're clearing in their throat. <laughs> <laughs> we need to work on that. All right. You mentioned testing. I do want to touch on testing before we start to wrap up because that is obviously a huge question. People go, I just paid for air testing. What do you mean that's likely not the best form? What do I do about testing? There's a starting place people can start on their own. Then this idea of the source and how it's moving around. So like the starting point, a lot of people who have even started a little bit of a deep dive in this have seen the samples called an ERMI sample. It's a dust collection test you could do throughout your house. The ERMI score itself is pretty trash, but the underlying technology that's analyzing the molds that are there is like gold standard. So you basically have this like amazing underlying technology and then they layered an interpretation on top of it, which is just terrible, right? <laughs> so, but but even in so, it can still give you, because the tech is still good on how it's identifying what's going on, a lot of times it can still give you some direction on what's going on. But basically what it's doing, and there's a lot of studies on this that talk about how essentially particles in your house will settle down onto surfaces in your house. So again, like I said earlier, it's not the mold behind the wall that's making you sick. If it stayed behind the wall and never came out, it'd be amazing. You probably would never be sick. That'd be great. Just have mold on all the walls. It wouldn't matter. What's happening is that particles are coming out of it and it's circulating in your airspace and it gets into your breathing zone. But when it is not circulating, gravity brings it down to surfaces and settles down on top of desks and tables and under couches and all these places. And that's where dust collects. So what happens is that dust actually harbors mold, toxins, all the other stuff that's flowing through your house too that you don't want to know about, like insect fragments and chemical off-gassing from the furniture that you bought, like all that stuff is harboring in the dust that is within your house. Now, the difference is an air sample that you do in the middle of a space to try to get an understanding of that. It's only looking at whatever happens to be floating in its orbit for like a five-minute period. And that changes dramatically based on whatever's going on in the house. So you have these massive changes. And what, if I jump around right now and I took an air sample, I'd probably get a different reading than if I came in here after I wasn't in here for 24 hours and took an air sample, right? It would just be different. In addition to that, the technology in air samples is not that same DNA formatting kind of gold standard technology that's in the dust testing you do in an urban test, right? Now, the reason you need that testing, that level of it, is because... What makes that technology so great, like I said, is this DNA formatting. So think of it this way. Think of mold like a tree. Everybody's heard of like a mold spore. Imagine that the leaves on the tree are the spore. So leaves fall off the tree. That's the spore that's floating around, okay? But the tree is all still there. This is like, the spore is just the one thing. Now imagine that tree, a gust of wind comes by and breaks the tree into a million tiny little itty bitty pieces. And it just flies all over the place. Those pieces are like a thousand times smaller than that leaf by the time the wind comes and breaks it over. Those pieces still have the DNA signature of whatever type of tree that is, right? Now, when we breathe, our body has a natural filtration system to protect ourselves from breathing, big, gross stuff. So in our nose and our throat, all in an effort to protect our lungs so we don't get a bunch of stuff in there. The problem is basically a filter. It can only filter out so much and only to, to a particular size. So the smaller, smaller, smaller those little pieces and fragments get, the easier it is for them to bypass into our system and then get into our lungs and our bloodstream and all of that. So air samples can't identify those tiny pieces. They can only see the leaves. The dust testing that's done can identify the DNA signature in the microscopic piece of bark that broke off of that tree 
and it can understand your better overall load of mold that you're being exposed to in the house. So that's the first big win on that type of on dust testing. Now, the second big win on it is because you're collecting from settled surfaces, the whole whatever's floating around while I happen to be in the room thing goes away now because you're getting a historical settlement. And the thing that ties all that together is a study that was done that talks about something called the person or the human cloud effect. The idea is if you ever watched Charlie Browning, there was that one dirty kid that always had that cloud of dirt around him, right? It's literally what I just thought of. Yes. That's exactly what it is. So as we walk around our house, and basically the way the study goes is literally as you walk into a room, let's say you you sit down on something, and let's say you open a door. Heck, let's say that you vacuum, let's say that you do whatever. All of these things are popping up with all of this invisible particle back up into our zone. So the idea is that as you move throughout any building anywhere, you have this invisible cloud of particle that's surrounding you that you're rustling up as you walk around. Those little particles is what was settled in the dust. And that's your exposure pathway. That's how you're exposed all the time. So by looking at the dust, you're actually getting a better understanding of your exposure and the overall load and sort of collection of what's gone on in a house or a building over an extended period of time. So the question is like, well, well, what if I haven't cleaned that dust for 10 years? Awesome. Then that's going to give us a much better understanding of what this place has been exposed to and what you're being exposed to. So that's something that's super easy as something to do. If you've taken a Swiffer and wiped dust off of something in your house, you are fully capable of collecting the sample. That's how easy it is. You send it in, you get your results back. Now, when you get the results back, you're going to get every one of the 36 mold species that are on there that the DNA sequencing did. And then you're going to get the score that doesn't mean anything. So the reason that it doesn't mean anything is because of the literally the math that they are doing is completely contradictory. So the Ermi split up into two groups, group one, group two. They say group one is water damage molds. By the way, every mold is water damage mold. But for some reason, group one is more aggressive water damage molds. They probably need more water to grow when you start looking at the species. Group two are your like common indoor molds. So they just saw them frequently in the study that went on. Now, the problem with that is somebody who has a sensitivity, the genetic issues we talked about, they, they have Lyme, they have autoimmune issues, whatever, your body kind of doesn't care if it's common or water damage. It is a foreign invader that is triggering an immune response. So the idea of them being separate things kind of doesn't mean anything at that point if you're somebody who's more sensitized. Now, the way they do the math in this is they subtract the common molds from the water damage molds. So let's say you had 10 water damage molds and you had five common molds. You subtract five from 10, your score would be five. You have Ernie's score of five. Let's flip it around. Let's say you had five water damage molds and you had 10 common molds. You would subtract 10 from five and you have a negative five on your score, which would be the most amazing house that's ever existed in the world. But it's the same load of mold that exists in that house. It's just different ones that exist. So because their formula in their mind what it should be is mold plus mold equals more mold. That's what the formula should be. Their formula is mold plus mold equals less mold. That's what their formula is. And it can really throw people off, really throw people off depending on how the numbers work out and they think there's not a problem and then maybe there's not. So that's kind of the issue. So one thing that we worked on to try to figure that out is we created something called the Ermi code where you could actually plug in your individual mold species that are there. And what, what we did is I spent eight months going through every house that we inspected over the last three-year period. We do Ernie's in the houses, but we also know how many sources of mold were found in that house, right? How many behind this wall? How many this? How many that? Were there mycotoxins in that house? Because we test for that. Was there you know, bacterial issues? We test for that. And we connected all of it to the Ernie sample. And then we had to figure out an algorithm that actually looked at the stuff the right way. So when you sorted it at the end, 
it would sort and it would be the less number of sources and it would increase as you went down. So like if you just sorted it by ERMI score, where I'm just I'm just gonna take the ERMIs that came in, I'm gonna sort it by the score. The column over that we had was the number of sources that were in that house. It might say 13, 2, 27, 6. Like it would be all over the place. But when we kind of went through and figured out any, you know, it's kind of based on the molds that are there and, and different things. We had to kind of figure out how to sort of interpret all of it. But when we did it and then resorted it by the number of sources that are in the house, it was two, three, four, six, seven, ten, twelve. And it correlated with the number of problems that actually exist in that house. Oh, yeah. And so then what you can do is that you enter your stuff in the Ernie code and the result that comes back that tells you on average how many sources of hidden mold were in a house with an army that was similar to yours. What does that mean? This is kind of what I'm in for and what it might take to fix this problem. It also shows you where you rank on all of the 3,000 houses that we did. So like you might think that if you had six sources of mold in your house, this seems like a big deal. But then when you look at the comparison of all of them, you're in the bottom 10%. Like, oh, so the odds of me finding a house better than this are like not good, right? <laughs> like 90% of houses are worse than this. I should stay here probably if I can and try to figure out a way to address these things. And so that's what Ermi code is. It was kind of built in a way to help give more context to stuff specific to someone's house versus like a random scale that's sort of oscillated a little bit. So that's that's what that's all about. If somebody wanted to do an Ermi test, do you have a favorite site that they can go to? So there's a couple labs that do Ermi's. Okay. Envirobiomics is a lab that does it. Micrometrics is a lab that does it. Myself. And Corey, who's my my partner, and Michael Rubino, who is who you talked to recently, maybe by the time that this comes out, are releasing our own dust test because we're kind of sick of how confusing everything is. So I'm actually integrating all of the data that I just talked about that we have that nobody else has and tying it into an actual result that comes from a test that you get individually and then tying in some other things too. It's called the dust test. And you can do either mold, you could do mold and toxins, you could include bacterial stuff if you want to. So there's going to be different kinds that you can get, but it actually removes the ERMI sort of interpretation out of it because it's so flawed. And then we lay in the actual data from all of the inspections that we've done on top of it and make it more contextual. So that's that's what the dust test is going to be. So depending on when this comes out, it'll be the dusttest.com and you can go there and get that too. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, given this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast, and we've been talking all about finding mold instead of finding Nemo this whole time. What are the top like two or three practical, tactical things you want all the listeners to leave here today with? So a couple concepts. If it's not wet now, it doesn't mean there's not mold there. Okay, this is probably the biggest thing that sort of gets overlooked. Oh, we had a leak, but we fixed, it was a garbage disposal was leaking in our sink cabinet, but we fixed the garbage disposal and, you know, we just let the cabinet dry and everything's fine. There's a likelihood that there's mold in that cabinet still. So just because the water dried out doesn't mean that the mold would just like disappear, right? Think of it like a plant or something that you would have in your yard. If you stop watering it, the plant doesn't like uproot itself and search for more water somewhere else, right? The plant stays there and just kind of hoes over and dies. When it dies, it becomes more brittle. When it becomes more brittle, when the air comes through and hits it like that tree I described, that's what causes that tree to break into a million different pieces. So actually places that were previously wet, but have since dried, if mold grew there, it's actually way easier for them to impact the space in a different way. The particle load can get really aggressive off of those, but how it breaks off. So the first thing that I would say 
is sit down and just sort of think through wherever you're living. Say, have I had any sort of leak? Now, the first thing people are going to think about are like big floods. Right? Well, I haven't had any big floods. I haven't had a dishwasher or a washing machine or my basement. Cool. That's good. Now, think about little tiny drips that might have happened in places that you didn't think were a big deal. Think about when your kid gets out of the bathtub and they always splash water against the wall over and over and over again every day. It's not a water leak that's happening, but it's a water intrusion that's happening into a space. Those are places where things could be. So this isn't something to try to like freak anyone out or anything, but it's to just sort of look at it in the way... These are the conversations I have on those initial calls. Think of anything, even if it's little. Have you read a drip under a sink? Have you ever had your kids get... I mean, these are little examples that I give to people like, oh, actually, yeah, my kids do this and this does that. These are all areas of concern. So the one thing I want you to think is like, oh, I've never had a water issue. There's no chance I have a mold problem. That's not necessarily true. Try to really like kind of take inventory of that in your mind and think that through. The second thing I would say is there are places in your home where it's just way more likely that there's going to be stuff going on. And if we're aware of it, we could try to be on top of it a little more than just not knowing about it at all. So like one thing that everyone can do, and honestly, if everyone listening to this, if you all go do this right now, 90% of you are going to find a problem here. I want you to go under... I want you to clear out everything under every sink cabinet that you have. Empty all the sink cabinets that you have in your house. I have like five in my house. Everybody has however many they have. Empty them all out. If you see staining or bubbling in the wood anywhere or cracking or separating or bowing or anything like that, that doesn't look consistent the way that the wood was actually installed when they did it. And if it looks weird, like something happened, then there's a pretty good chance that there's some sort of mold issue going on in that space. And again, this isn't to freak people out, but this is why... Like when I talked about Ermicode, the lowest level in Ermicode, the group one, like the people who are like 90% of houses are worse than this. The average number of mold sources we found in those houses, I want to say it was five or six. A house with no sources doesn't exist. Very, very, very rare that it doesn't exist. Now, does that mean that these four or five or six things are making you sick or if you're in one of those houses? Not necessarily. We're just talking about how to identify stuff, right? But if you're in a house and you're like, oh man, I'm not feeling super hot. And some of these things that we talked about that's going on earlier, pull everything out from under your sinks. Go look by every bathtub and shower that you have and look at the baseboards. Are they bubble? Do they look different than the baseboards six inches over from it? Is the color different? Is it like worked a little bit? Is then water got into those things and those are potential areas. So you could do those things real quick and all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, okay, there's a couple like visual things here where yeah, maybe there is something going on. Bam, let's go check out. Maybe I should get nervous and see what's going on in the house. Do the dust test, see what comes up there. You can run it through Ermico, you don't have to, whatever, but like take a look at it and then try to say, okay, there either is or there isn't something going on to whatever level of severity and then start thinking about what your next steps are. And this is how you start kind of unpeeling this onion to figure out how your environment can be impacting your health. And it all starts with super easy things that you can see without fancy tools, just kind of being aware of what things look like. I even heard a story of... A family, they had dogs, they had Labradors, they had real wood floors and Labrador Retriever dogs, like two or three of them. And as we all know, Labrador Retrievers dogs love water. So when they would drink their water out of the water bowl, they got the water everywhere, all over the wall, the baseboards, the natural hardwood floors, years over years, over years, over years. And when they did testing or, you know, they pulled back the baseboard, the flooring underneath where the the dogs drank their water, that's one of the places that they found a mold because the dogs had just been slobbering water all over the place years over years over years. Yeah. I mean, there's 
I've seen something like that, especially at the baseboards behind, like where the bulls sit and stuff. I've seen that too. The thing about all this is we try to rationalize things and normalize stuff that happens normally. Sinks leak. That's normal. So there, there shouldn't be a problem down here. No, that just means that like you're probably more likely going to have a problem there. My dogs are splashing water all over the place. Well, that's what they do. It's normal. Again, we normalize it and downplay it. And those are areas that we actually need to be looking at more and be more aware of those things. And just sort of shifting that mindset from it happens, it's normal, what am I going to be able to do about it? This is what goes on to, hey, there's this actually like before my dog showed up, this never happened. Before my sink would drip, everything was fine down here. So something actually did happen. So how can I protect that space? Or how can I stop that from happening? So under a sink, the super easy thing is you could put inserts under your sink that protect the sink from drips that come down. Then they don't get into the wood. They don't cause all these problems, right? So there's there's things that you can do on the preventative side for stuff like this too, depending on whatever's going on. But yeah, I've, I've seen stuff like that too. Which is, and that's why I'm always telling people, like we want to be proactive, empowered, practical, and tactical. And, and the normalized thing happens in all of medicine. I'm in hormones. So I have lots of women that say to me, oh yeah, I get cramps, but that's normal. I'm like, ah, normal. Common doesn't mean normal. Just that's the problem. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have those severe 10 out of 10 cramps. Just like if you have water, little water leaks all over the place. Sure, it's common. It doesn't mean it's helping your health any. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I love talking to you. I know. So tell everyone where they can find you, learn more from you, follow you, all the things. All the things. I'll give you just a couple of things. So our website is yesweinspect.com. Companies we inspect. It's not yes, we inspect our ratings. But that's the website. Now I regret naming the weather to getting that domain five years ago. But anyways, you could go there. If you guys are thinking you have something going on, there's a button on there that says something about working with us. There's a form you could fill out. After we get that form, we could get on a call and sort of figure out what your path is. There's so many ways that we can work with people now. It's not just flying to your house and doing it. We have online consulting groups. We have literally the same exact training program that I put that I created for my inspectors. You can get access to that if you want it without ever talking to me at all. Like there's different ways to do it. So there's a lot of options, right? So don't be scared about trying to get down that road. There's kind of an option for everybody there. My podcast, which you can listen to carry on as well, which I think our episode came out like mid last week or something. Hey, last week, yeah. That would yeah. be like late July is when that episode would have come out. This Mold Finders Radio, Mold Finders Radio podcast. I, if you like listening to me talk, there's a whole bunch of it there. And then on Instagram, at Mold Finders is where you can find me. And there's a lot of stuff there too. So that's just a few of the spots. Yeah, everyone should definitely go follow him on Instagram at moldfinders. So, well, Brian, I really, really appreciate it. I think you've just given everybody, I think you freaked everybody out, but then calmed everyone down <laughs> when it comes to mold. So this is helpful. It's like the stages of grief. I feel like whenever I start talking, I want to just get there and the other part of back. <laughs> that is the greatest analogy. Yes, yes, it is true. It is true. <laughs> well, Thank you so much for having me and letting me sort of ramble on and stuff. Like I said, I like doing this stuff and I appreciate you letting me do it here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Cool. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.